This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Here for another one of these 25th anniversary episodes. We had 25 great years of Ravens football and We've, we've gone through a lot of these top 10 lists over the years of the best inside linebackers of the Mount Rushmore and things. We're trying to get away from that. These historical pods we're doing are some of the off the beaten path things. So this one is called the one that got away, which is I'll let Kevin Ostreicher, who's the guest today, <laughs> explain to us. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one, Ken. I've always kind of been interested in the drafts, especially in previous years where the Ravens obviously 
they take a guy and then either a pick later or a couple picks later, there's a pro bowler or some great player, not even like a guy who has to be an all pro, but somebody who I think, you know, could have, could have obviously helped the Ravens. And, you know, I don't want this to be like people thinking I'm, I'm like bashing the Ravens draft strategy. Cause look, mm-hmm. every team misses, right? It's, it's pretty impossible to have a team hit on every single player in franchise history, but it's really interesting to me to go back, kind of look at things and see what if the Ravens would have taken this guy instead of this guy and seeing how it would have affected the franchise. Yeah. There are definitely cases where the Ravens even made a good pick. And uh, there's a player right after who would have been an even better pick. And so it's just it's it's fun to do this. And we thought we would limit it because you can always say, hey, they should have taken Tom Brady in the 2000 draft. But we're, th- we're taking it to the exact next player selected and one player per draft. So you can replace one Ravens pick sort of with the very next player taken in any one of those rounds. So let's let's go ahead. Maybe we maybe we just go through this pretty quickly. We'll talk about the player a little bit as we uh, as we roll through these. Yeah. So I, I think starting off with 2021 is a bit it is, it's a bit too soon to do 2021. So for 2020, honestly, for this one, I wanted to take a bit of a different approach than what I did for my research. And I said at 28, the Ravens took Patrick Queen. At 29, the next pick was Isaiah Wilson, an offensive tackle. And so, yeah, we're, yeah we're, we're not starting off with, oh, this guy was a pro bowler. We're starting off with, oh, man, the Ravens made a good pick there in Queen. Because with Wilson, he did a lot of good things at Georgia. But just, I mean, the off-field stuff in the NFL did, did not pan out for him. It's one of the one of the worst off-field stories we've ever seen. Tennessee really kind of snake bit in terms of that pick, in terms of being a bad one. The guy I did like was Matt Peart. At, at the 99th pick, which was directly after the Ravens took Malik Harrison at number 98. And given the Ravens' tackle depth right now and, and some of the inside linebacker problems, frankly, as well, I think that, that Matt Pert would be an interesting player to have here right now. Yeah, I think so, too. And, and, yeah, the offensive tackle depth and plus taking two inside linebackers, you know, that that thing was a little bit of controversial. But I think Harrison and Queen both have potential. But the Ravens definitely need some tackle depth right now. And even in 2021, I mean, the team took Ben Cleveland at 94. Number 95 was a tackle in Robert Hainsey. So the Ravens mm-hmm. would like to have some tackle depth for sure. But, yeah, it, it seems like the, it's the theme of the tackles there in 2020 because right now the Ravens found something in Macari, it feels like, for now at least. But they would like to have a couple of guys, I think, there. All right. So let's move back to 2019. Who's your, your substitution pick here? Yeah, so for 2019, number 160 in the fifth round, the Ravens took Dalen Mack. And the next pick at number 161, Charles Amenehue, the defensive end from the Houston Texans. Seven sacks, two seasons for Amenehue. So still kind of developing. Is a good player, but obviously Mack did not pan out in a Ravens uniform. And Amenehue, I think, could have done some nice things. Yeah, definitely would have been a good fit for the Ravens, uh, too. If you want to go in the fourth round, Amon Marshall was taken at number 127. At number 128, Tony Pollard, who's been a productive back for the Cowboys, would have been nice to have in a year like this with, uh, with the Ravens missing a few running backs. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And even with the Ravens, there are a bunch of these running back picks where obviously the Ravens have Dobbins and Edwards and, and Hill as well, but and obviously Tyson Williams. But there are some running backs, and we'll get into them here, that the Ravens could have taken that maybe it would have been a bit different. Okay. And, and for 2018, th- this one, this 2018 draft class of the Ravens, very, very successful. But I'm going to go with the first pick the Ravens took here. Hayden Hurst, number 25. A lot of people wanted Calvin Ridley in that slot. Calvin Ridley went one pick later to the Atlanta Falcons. 
And even before that, the Ravens, they had Derwin James on the board. They traded out of that pick earlier. Yeah. So they had a couple of, of spots to get potential huge pro bowlers. Hurst turned into a valuable player for them. They got J.K. Dobbins out of a trade for him. But I think James and Ridley would, would have been two really nice fits on this team. Yeah, absolutely. The one who got away was was Derwin in, in this draft, but but he's but he doesn't meet the definition we're going for. So they actually picked, uh, and and I agree with you that Ridley is the guy that that I would have uh, made a move for. Yeah, I I think so too. And in 2017, I was actually kind of interested. There weren't a ton of guys who I found here, but one that I wanted to get into a little bit. Number 47. The Ravens ended up selecting Tyus Bowser, who was a bit of a a raw prospect coming out of the University of Houston. Number 48 was Joe Mixon, the running back out of Oklahoma, who's now with the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, Mixon had some off-field issues at Oklahoma, and Mm -hmm. I'm not entirely sure the Ravens would have even taken him, even, you know, if he was available for them with their next pick after Bowser. But he's turned into a very solid running back and kind of poses the question for me of like, you know, at that time, the Ravens were working through a couple of options at the running back position. They didn't really have a a guy who was going to be their future there. So it's interesting to me to kind of wonder, would Mixon have been that guy? But obviously, you have to take the off-field issues into account. Yeah, I, I think I probably would not have made that trade. Uh, you know, Ty Spouser coming to his own right now. Joe Mixon's been a, a very good running back here for a few years. But I look in that first round, and I definitely wouldn't let Marlon Humphrey go. But Jonathan Allen has also been a good player uh, in terms of the number 17 overall pick. So, I, honestly, that's a draft where I probably would make no changes. But if you're going to make one, I guess I guess it would be Bowser for Mixon would do the least damage from from where they were. Yeah, and even, you know, Allen is an Alabama guy, too. So if Newsom wanted that Alabama connection, Allen would have been it. And I know the the Humphrey pick had a lot of people who didn't like it at first because the Ravens had a lot of secondary depth. And Humphrey, I think, was the right pick now. I mean, you look back at it at hindsight, oh, yeah. of course he was. But Allen, I think, would have given them some defensive line depth, and they love taking defensive linemen in drafts. 2016, well, let, me, let me just say, though, oh, yeah, whenever, yeah. whenever the Ravens draft a player that is counter to need, as Humphrey was at the time, you know it's going to be a great value pick. You know it's going to be a great oh, value pick. Yeah. And it certainly turned out that way with him. Yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely did. And in 2016, this this one might hurt a little bit. And, and I don't know where the Ravens were at this time in finding a Flacco, I guess, the heir to Joe Flacco. But number 134 in 2016 was Kenneth Dixon. Number 135 in 2016 was Dak Prescott. So Dak Prescott has turned into a a pretty good quarterback at the NFL level. Now, obviously, the Ravens take Flacco's, I guess, his replacement in Lamar Jackson in 2018. But it it kind of poses the question, like, if the Ravens had taken Dak Prescott there in 2016, obviously, Lamar Jackson would not be in Baltimore right now unless Prescott did not work out with the Ravens. And just kind of interesting to see and, and think about how the franchise would have been altered with the selection of Dak Prescott. Yeah, it certainly would have changed things and, and been a economical way to get a quarterback that would have been interesting a year earlier. Um, I, I'll look at another, just another pick from that year. Number 131, Blake Martinez was the pick after Alex Lewis. Definitely a, a one that could have addressed some of the inside linebacker concerns. And of course, they had concerns in 2019, concerns again now, frankly, in terms of the quality of coverage at inside linebacker. And, uh, and I'm not sure actually where Blake Martinez is in the NFL in terms of his coverage ability, but, uh, but he would have certainly provided something. Yeah. There, there were a few in that draft that the Ravens could have taken, but I mean, the players they did take in that draft were pretty good. So overall, when looking back and going to 2015, I know this is a draft that the, one of the biggest Ravens busts came out of in, in number 26, yep. Rashad Perriman. 
And number 27, Byron Jones has turned into a very nice secondary member there, both first with the Dallas Cowboys, now with the Miami Dolphins. The Ravens love their secondary guys. Jones would have been a great fit in, in this Ravens defense, very versatile player in Perriman, obviously missed his entire rookie season and, and just did not pan out with the Ravens. Yeah, very, very obviously the guy. If you want to go to one more, go at number 137 and maybe get Grady Jarrett instead of Trey Walker. Trey Walker, there were obviously other concerns in terms of, uh, you know, what happened with him, a tragedy. And, and you know, we're not saying that, that it's his fault that it didn't work out, but Grady Jarrett's him been one hell of a nose tackle with two Pro Bowls uh, in five seasons. Yeah, definitely. And and going back to 2014 now, th- this draft was honestly – there weren't a ton that I found in this one. I mean, Devontae Adams was taken at number 53. Jimmy Jernigan was 48, but that doesn't really fit the criteria for what we're going with. So I just went to the first round. The Ravens took C.J. Mosley at number 17. Number 18 was Calvin Pryor, a very decorated safety coming out of Louisville. And Mosley turned into a very, very good linebacker for them, or for Baltimore, for the time he was with the Ravens. And just thinking about how Baltimore's defense would have been affected without Mosley there. Mosley, obviously a very smart football player, very good against the run and gave them a lot of key moments. Whereas prior just did not pan out with the jets and his other stops in the league. Yeah. I think this is a year you make no exchanges. Uh, is not a next player who was, who was really any better than the player drafted. So uh, uh, I would agree with that one. Mosley, certainly a, a keeper in round one. Yeah, absolutely. And in 2013, this one, this draft was interesting, I'll, I'll call it. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, my pick here, number 56 was Arthur Brown. Number 57 was DJ Swearinger. Brown did not pan out in mm-hmm. Baltimore. I know that I was honestly pretty high on him in that draft, but just, just yeah, it was not a fit. DJ Swearinger turned himself into a pretty solid piece. He was not, not a huge star by any stretch of the imagination, but he's someone who provided solid depth, you know, in Houston, Arizona, a couple other stops. So I think obviously, you know, I'm definitely making that trade of, of Swearinger for Arthur Brown nowadays. Yeah, I, I, I would certainly agree with that one. In the in the very first round, uh, Jonathan Cyprian was taken at number thirty three after Matt Elam at number thirty two. So five year starter there at defensive back for the uh, for the Jags, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Would have been a would have been a reasonable choice as well, I think. Yeah, the, the secondary depth in this one I thought was decent, and there were a couple guys taken right after the Ravens picks that I thought could have done really really well but i mean moving moving back to 2012 this one is actually really interesting and and it's not it's not a bash on the player or anything but at number 35 courtney upshaw was taken yeah. by the ravens and number 36 Derek wolf now a raven was taken by the denver broncos and wolf has talked about you know he, he's been very open about the fact that he wanted to be in baltimore he he thought that the ravens were going to take him at that pick in number 35 they obviously didn't they took upshaw instead upshaw turned into a pretty solid player you know wasn't again a star but helped that super bowl team when their second championship in organization history and and wolf has said you know he wanted to be in baltimore then he also talked about in denver before he signed with the ravens he wanted to be traded to the ravens so i think that's a kind of a a cool tidbit there for those two yeah i i I would agree wolf would have been a great pick but my guy is number 99 ben jones over gino gradkowski and that's a kind of a one-for-one thing where ben jones of course ended up being a center in the NFL, though he was listed a guard at the time, and it would have made all kinds of sense for the Ravens, would have really solidified them there on the offensive line, and, and he might still be playing for the Ravens today. Wouldn't, yeah, it, I, wouldn't be hard to realize. Right. What, what a pick that would have been. I, I think yeah. he definitely would have solidified the center position, definitely. 2011, there weren't a ton of a cool tidbit I I found here, number 26 was Jimmy Smith, number 27 was Mark Ingram, mm-hmm. and in kind of going back and forth with like 
would I make that trade? I mean, I don't, I personally don't think so because I think running backs at this stage at the NFL level are a lot more replaceable than corners. It's a lot harder to find a really, really solid cornerback and the Ravens have done a great job at it. But Ingram still had a lot of good years with the Saints, obviously came over to Baltimore, had a good 2019 season with them. So a Raven and Jimmy Smith at number 26 getting taken over, you know, a former Raven now and Mark Ingram, who ended up getting with the team just uh, a few years after. Uh, you know, one of the interesting picks in this is at number 164, the Ravens took Shockey Brown. And Shockey Brown, uh, he had a, a checkered career, let's say, with with the Ravens. Had an incident with the Steelers where on third and 33, he did not get on the field as the nickel. Now, you're, you got to be pretty bad and pretty un or disorganized to not understand that, hey, this is your turn after two consecutive sacks to get on the field as a nickel. It did turn out, I think Elvis Doomerville got a third consecutive sack and, uh, of Roethlisberger, and that ended the thing. But he was let go that next week. The very next pick after that was also a Ravens pick, Pernell McPhee. It would have been <laughs> terrible if they'd have lost Pernell McPhee for taking Shockey Brown somehow. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly crazy how things like this work out. And, and my my... I'll call it my favorite draft in terms of what we're doing here is 2010 because there were a ton of storylines and I want to get into a couple here. So there were rumors that in 2010, the Ravens had their eyes set on Des Bryant with that number 26 pick and Dallas ends up trading ahead of Baltimore at number 25 and taking Bryant. So the Ravens, they had their guy all of a sudden they lose their guy and they have to kind of figure out, how they're going to work with all of this stuff because, you know, right before they pick, everything is gone. So what do the Ravens do? They end up trading that 26 pick to Denver for Tim Tebow, who Denver took mm-hmm. Tim Tebow at that 26 pick. The Ravens get a couple of, of draft selections. Then they're, they're picking number 43. The Patriots traded up to number 42 and took Rob Gronkowski. The Ravens took Sergio Kindle in number 43. And there were there were rumors and, and stories that came out that the Ravens were eyeing tight ends in that draft. And they definitely were because they took mm-hmm. two of them in Dennis Pitta and Ed Dixon. Dixon. Right. So the Ravens, it, the Ravens kind of labeled, I think, Gronkowski as a medical case because he was dealing with back issues coming out of Arizona. So would they have taken him? I'm not entirely sure. Then the Patriots at number 113 take Aaron Hernandez, who on the football field, on the football field was a, was a good player. Mm-hmm. Number 114 was Ed Dixon. So the, the Patriots kind of jumping the Ravens for maybe both the tight ends they wanted. I don't think we'll ever know, but it's kind of interesting there. And then finally, the one that I actually do, number 194 in this draft was Ramon Harewood, number 195, Antonio Brown. Yeah, so I, there, there are three who got away a pick earlier, and a lot of drafts have those, of course. But, but Antonio Brown fits the actual definition we're using <laughs> here, and and I agree uh, that would have really been something if he'd have been a Raven. I, something tells me he wouldn't have developed it all the same way without Roethlisberger, but uh, uh, we would have had a chance to see, and that would have been kind of cool. Let's keep going here. We're going to keep going here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a couple more. Um, 2009 is an interesting draft. There were a couple players who the Ravens took, and one that I'm kind of leaning towards, number 57, the Ravens took Paul Kruger. Number 58, the Patriots took Sebastian Vollmer. Vollmer turned into a decent tackle at the NFL level. Kruger also did some nice things in Baltimore, didn't really do a lot after his, his Ravens career. But, but it's kind of interesting to think about because obviously the Ravens, whenever they have an opportunity to take a solid offensive tackle offensive, I mean, they usually do it. And I think that Vollmer would have been a nice fit. Another one that's kind of an interesting trade-off, L- L- Ladarius Webb 
versus Jared Cook. Webb went at 88. Cook went I wouldn't make that trade. Yeah, I'm, I'm not making that trade either. But Cook did make the Pro Bowl, so I know some people say, oh, I made the Pro Bowl, but I think Webb definitely had much more value than Cook did. Yeah, it was a, it was a major part of the Ravens' uh, defense scheme. And the best cornerback in the entire NFL in 2011. I think a lot of people kind of forget that about Webb's career. Uh, let's go back to 2008 here. Uh, okay, let me see. Make sure I'm doing the right thing here. I am. Okay, so uh, we're not we're not trading back Joe uh, Joe Flacco for Jeff Ota. <laughs> uh, so who's your guy from this draft? Yeah, for this one, I, I'm going with Tyvon Branch, Oakland, or the then Oakland Raiders took him at number 100. Number yeah. 99, the Ravens took O'Neill Cousins. So easy, easy choice. Yeah, it's it, it's not it's not too, too hard in this one. Branch turned into a really solid safety. Actually came out as a corner out of the University of Connecticut, turned into a nice safety defensive back piece. Cousins did, was more of a project in the first place, didn't really pan out with the Ravens. A guy who played a couple seasons in the NFL, but didn't really play that long, is really more known as a Twitter offensive line guy. Jeff Schwartz in the seventh round was drafted. The pick after Alan Patrick was taken. So it's a kind of an interesting one, too. Mm. Yeah, Mo- moving back to 2007, I'm going to I'm going to do this one how I started off this. The Ravens at number 86 took Marshall Yonda. Number 87 was Stuart Bradley, linebacker out of Nebraska. Uh, it, it's pretty paramount just to kind of talk about how important Marshall Yonda was for this team. I mean, is whatever you want to say it because I think the Ravens are still feeling his loss to this day. You know, he's that good of a player and it would have been I think disaster if the Ravens didn't end up making this pick. Because Yonda turned into one of the best offensive linemen in franchise and honestly NFL history too. Yeah, I don't think the Ravens have anything really from this draft that they're extremely upset about. I'll just say that we we had a little bit of a party over the of, on the draft day, and at number the the let's see the Patriots I believe were on the clock at number twenty eight. Might have been the Patriots. I, I don't. I think they're the team that traded to San Francisco the pick. That was directly ahead of the Ravens. And, of course, Joe Staley was taken by the 49ers. That really kind of ruined that party. I, I went into a, a, a fit <laughs> about that <laughs> happening because Staley was the guy who wanted the Ravens to end up getting Ben Grubbs. The downgrade from tackle to guard was kind of a, a, a bad thing. But, you know, some things just really tick you off on draft day, and that was one of them. Ben Grubbs, a decent player for the Ravens, certainly. No, I, it's not a problem pick to take him at number 29. They just didn't get a, a, a ring of honor player. They got a, a very good guard for five years and, and he went on and he, and he played well for other teams as well. It's just, uh, you know, one of those picks that if they'd had Staley, it would have, it would have solidified all of their time between um, Ogden and Stanley very nicely. Yeah, it, it definitely would have. And in 2006 for me, one that's really interesting to think about 56, the Ravens took Chris Chester Number 57 was Devin Hester. So how the Ravens have kind of looked, they've been looking for kind of a return guy for a while ever since Jacoby Jones left. But what would Hester have done for the Ravens special teams unit? Obviously, in my opinion, the best returner of all time, at least one of them. And Chester was a pretty solid piece for the Ravens on the offensive line for a while. But I think for me personally, I think having Hester in that returner spot would have done amazing things for this team. Yeah, he would have. Been, he would have certainly been a, a good draft pick, and and I think that the Ravens' special teams coaching probably would have maximized him as a return man. I'm thinking, 
uh, you know, they certainly maximized a lot of other players. It's not a position where they've ever spent a lot of money, but when you look at it, most of Hester's value was on that very first contract. He had a ton of touchdowns his first couple of years. And I remember someone was saying, is this the greatest return man of all time at that point? And, and Rich Eisen stood up and said, wait a minute, doing that is like calling Dora, uh, Dora the Explorer the best, best cartoon of all time over <laughs> Bugs Bunny. And it, 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 was, it was a great analogy. But uh, I, I also want to take people back to the first round of this draft because the Ravens traded up one spot. They went from 13 to 12 uh, to get Haloti Nada. And if they had failed to do that, the other guy that they might have ended up with was Cam Wimbley, who went to the Browns in the very next play. It's really, in a lot of ways, a pick that defined the Phil Savage area in Cleveland. You know, a guy who's a great personnel guy with the Ravens for many years, but he went on to Cleveland, and a lot of his his time there was basically cursed by that single trade. Uh, they got a sixth-round draft pick in exchange for the move-up, which in terms of draft capital is a ridiculously low amount to pay for move-up one spot that high in the draft. And to extend this story to its interminable conclusion, um, Maureen and I went to a game in 2006, early 2006, and we sat behind a guy wearing a Babatunde Oshinowo jersey. And he, it, he'd had it made custom and worn it to the Ravens-Browns game <laughs> because he expected that to be. Well, anyway, Oshinowo ended up playing two NFL games. <laughs> and, uh, and that was pretty funny. But Browns fans, they love their football. They will go out and buy custom jerseys early. Um, yeah, it, 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 some of those can be some of the worst purchases people ever make, unfortunately. <laughs> Mo- moving back to 2005, though, a really interesting kind of sequence for me was in the first round, honestly. Mark Clayton was taken mm-hmm. in number 22. Then at number 23, you have actually former Raven Fabian Washington, who went to the then Oakland Raiders in number 23. And then one pick after that was... Aaron Rodgers, you might have heard of him before. He's he's a, yeah. he's a pretty good football player these days. So, again, kind of like franchise-altering stuff. This was 2005. The Ravens still kind of working through what they wanted to do next at the quarterback position for a few years. And Rodgers, I think, yeah, would you're, have been pretty good. You're, you're a young guy. How old How old were you in 2005 when Rodgers was taken? Seven? Okay. So, so yeah, you, I'm on you the probably didn't side. watch the draft. Okay. No. So Aaron Rodgers and uh, Alex Smith were the number two, yeah. number the two yeah. top quarterbacks in the draft. And they, they sat in the green room. There's a lot of debate beforehand of who was going to be drafted number one. Alex Smith, of course, got drafted number one, had a somewhat of a disappointment of a career, certainly not a number one overall pick type career because you, you always expect a Hall of Famer out of that guy pretty much. But then Rodgers green room saga became the entire story of that draft. They kept going back to him in the green room, back to him in the green room. He was eventually he's the last player. They had 10, I think, in the green room who was there and was for quite some time. The, the, the round stretched on and on. Eventually, Goodell invited uh, Rodgers to join his own suite to 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 uh, be there rather than have these cameras continually pan back to him. And, you know, you could see that the, the is making him very angry. In the mid-teens, they looked down and they couldn't find the next team who really needed a quarterback so far that they'd even go for Rodgers. And finally, the Packers ended up picking him at number 24. It, it, it's definitely a bit of draft history that we're never going to we're never gonna forget. Just yeah, phone doesn't I mean, stop ringing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 it's crazy to think that, you know, with, with all these players, you know, there, there were. It was, it was Smith and it was Rodgers. The Ravens. They get Mark Clayton, so their, their 2005 draft was was an interesting one. But I'll move back to 2004. The Ravens in the fifth round 
They they took a guy by the name of Roger Green, defensive end of Central Missouri State. Yep. The and, CEO. Yeah. The 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 number one fifty four pick right after Roger Green, Michael Turner, a, a pretty good running back out of NIU, who had some great years with a, a couple of teams. Honestly, the Chargers, San Diego, Falcons, Atlanta. Yep. yep. So he, that that's a trade that I think I'm I'm making. Okay, I'll give you one other. Adam Terry was drafted at number 64, the end of the second round, and Frank Gore drafted mm. at number 65. That had been a, a big upgrade as well. Terry, uh, you know, a lot of people thought he would uh, he would be something. A guy from Syracuse, my alma mater, and, and he really never ended up being anything in the NFL. And Frank Gore, of course, is still playing or 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 probably could even if he's not uh, not on anybody's roster this year. He, he was certainly playing last year and is one of the all-time leaders in carries. Yeah, one of one of the better running backs I mean, in NFL history, you know, has had such a long career where I think that maybe if, if everything worked out, maybe he would have been drafted there and still be playing in Baltimore today, which would have been <laughs> probably not. But yeah, yeah. No, I know. Kind, of, kind of a funny story, though. Yeah. I'll take it back to 2003. This one, I didn't see a ton of, of guys who caught my eye. Musa Smith was taken at number 77, the running back out of Georgia. The next pick was number 78, a Pro Bowl offensive tackle, Wade Smith. So, you know, there wasn't a ton in this draft that caught my eye, but obviously, you know, Smith did some things for the Ravens, but having a a Pro Bowl offensive tackle would have been would have been nice. Yeah, that that drama was really dominated by the fact that the Ravens got bumped back to number 10. And if they had had ended up with the pick they wanted, they might have taken Byron Leftwich instead of Terrell Suggs, which obviously would have been a complete disaster. Uh, As it was that first round. You had a big win and a big loss in terms of the Ravens trading back in and that costing their 2004 number one. I think Wade Smith would probably be my guy. Seneca Wallace, by the way, also uh, drafted the pick after after Jared Johnson. And yeah, no, I wouldn't want to. I think he was a receiver for some reason, but you know, <laughs> I would not have made that trade. No. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think so either. Honestly, uh, then we go back to 2002 where in the fifth round, number 155, the Ravens took Terry Jones, a tight end out of Alabama. Number 156 was Aaron Campman, a, a really nice defensive end on the interior for the Green Bay Packers for a while, came out of Iowa, Pro Bowl guy. I, I think the Ravens, with their love for the interior of the defense, you know, Cap, Capman was somebody who I think could have been really good. Yeah, I think I think that would have made a lot of sense. And one of the funny things about the Aussie era is he was not blessed with great success in terms of drafting tight ends. He did he did draft Dennis Pitta, and I think people would call that a success generally, particularly in the round it came in. And he did draft um, Heap, of course, so that, that worked out. But he also drafted a bunch of guys that he liked for some reason that nobody else could figure it out. In fact, the one pick that I can recall um, is Devon Drew that Eric DaCosta, basically when I saw him speaking publicly and trying to answer, why did you take this guy? is basically said, that's a guy Ozzy liked. And he, I, I never heard him do that, but it's such a, you know, he obviously didn't really like him. Ozzy really did like him. And so they went with it and, and it, it just made it very apparent. And it's, it's interesting. These guys might've had a little rivalry internal to the castle uh, in terms of who they're picking that we don't really see uh, the entire uh, story from. Yeah, I know. It's stories like that that honestly make this so fun for me, honestly. But moving back now, 2001, we're getting into the the early days here, obviously. Baltimore 
Number 31, you know, mentioning tight ends. Todd Heap was a pretty good one for the Ravens, but number 32 was (laughs) Drew Brees. (laughs) So it's so interesting to look back at this stuff and say, wow, what would have happened to this franchise if the Ravens had taken Drew Brees? Now, Todd Heap, you know, let's not get away from how good of a player he was with the Ravens. But I mean, Brees at a premium position, I think would have been, honestly, you could call it franchise altering at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that would have been an enormous change. And I, I think that uh, pretty clearly would have been a much better pick, no matter how much we love Todd Heap here. I, I don't think even Todd Heap would say, boy, who's, who's somebody had to pay 500000 to eat lunch with somebody or they had a choice, but a $500,000 prize and eating lunch with some, it might've been a rapper, might've been somebody in the entertainment industry. But, but anyway, the first thing the guy said to him was, you probably should have taken the half million. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I, I know I probably would, but yeah. 2000 now th- this one is. So for me, I, I went with the Travis Taylor pick at number 10. Now, number 11 was Rod Dane, the running back out mm-hmm. of Wisconsin. But then you have a string of five pro bowlers after Rod Dane and Sean Ellis, a defensive end, number 12, Jonathan Abram, defensive end, number 13, Bubba Franks, tight end, number 14, Delta O'Neill, corner, number 15, Julian Peterson, linebacker, number 16, and Sebastian Janikowski, a kicker there, first round, number 17. So Travis Taylor, obviously, when you look at those guys there, those pro bowlers, six guys in a row after Rod Dane and Travis Taylor who were pro bowlers and the pick before Travis Taylor and number nine was Brian Erlacher. So <laughs> Travis Taylor kind of sandwiched in between all these guys who turned out to be really good football players. Pretty easy pick for me. I'm going to the fifth round, number 149 and K- taking KGB over Richard Mercier. who never played a game for the Ravens. So get a, get a definitely a guy with 74 and a half career sacks and, uh, and instead of a, a guard who never played. So I, th- I think that's actually a pretty easy draft to pick one. Yeah, there there were a few in there. I'll go back to 1999 now. I'm, I'm going to stay in the first round because there have been all these pro bowlers taking Chris McAllister versus Dante Culpepper. McAllister, one of the greatest, I think, honestly, one of the most underrated players in franchise history. I don't mm-hmm. think gets enough respect for what he did in the Ravens uniform. But Culpepper, I mean, had a, had a couple of good seasons at the NFL level. I mean, was definitely at the top of his game for a little bit. And I know some people, again, it's arguing the, the position premium at the NFL level, cornerback or quarterback, and how, how the selection of Culpepper would have impacted the Ravens franchise. I know we just talked about Drew Brees a couple of drafts ago and how that would have been. Now, obviously, Brees, in my opinion, was a better player than Culpepper for his NFL career. But what would have happened if the Ravens passed up on McAllister to take a potential franchise quarterback? I think the results, we, we might still be feeling them today. Yeah, we might. We, at least we would have avoided a, a pick of Bowler, yeah, right. which, would have, which would have been nice. He might also have lost out on Flacco. Um, uh, Culpepper played only until 2009 in the NFL, which is a relatively well. No, it's not that short, but it would have. It would, maybe maybe Joe Flacco is the guy who replaces Dante Culpepper if you draft him. So that would have been interesting. Uh, it's a draft where the Ravens only had a few picks. I think they might have had four picks total in this draft, and n- in no case was the next player really anything particularly good and they got Mulatalo and Stokely in, the, in these uh, in these selections so I think you you revel in that as being a pretty good draft with with relatively few picks yeah I, I honestly think so too and in 1998 the Ravens at number 10 took Dwayne Starks after that three straight pro bowlers kind of the theme here over these last few Dred Thomas the offensive tackle number 11 to Philadelphia Keith Brooking the linebacker number 12 to Atlanta and Takeo Spikes, linebacker number 13 to Cincinnati. So three mm-hmm. pro bowlers. And then actually 
Starks is sandwiched because the three picks before him were also pro bowlers. And Kyle Turley, the offensive tackle number seven, Greg Ellis, defensive end number eight, and Fred Taylor, running back number nine. Okay, so I, uh, it's not I, that I don't agree with that. And Kyle Turley had all kinds of problems in New Orleans about taking his helmet off and doing some bad things with it. But, but Dwayne's – or taking somebody else's helmet off, wasn't that in his case? It's, somebody it's else's not, yeah. helmet, yeah. But, but Dwayne Starks had an incredible five-year run in Baltimore. And, and what I usually point to with that is that we, you get most of your value off the difference in the salary you pay relative to the salary the guy is worth during those first five years. And from that perspective, I think Dwayne Dwayne Starks remains an excellent uh, pick at number one. I didn't make any Pro Bowls, uh, but he was one hell of a starting corner for the Ravens. Had, I think, over 20 interceptions. He's one of the greatest interceptors per game in Ravens history still. So, uh, you know, a guy I certainly really like. I, I wonder if I would let number 42 go. Patrick Johnson, receiver, had a couple of different stints to get Artrell Hawkins, who ended up going to the Bengals for a number of years. My guess is Hawkins would have been a lot more successful with the Ravens. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and the Starks pick, I don't want to make it come off as I thought it was a bad one, but Mm -hmm. just looking at, you know, it's funny how he didn't make a Pro Bowl, then everybody sandwiched in between him did. So it's kind of like those those interesting facts where Starks was the lone guy out of those, what, like six, seven guys who didn't make the Pro Bowl for, for some reason there. And moving into 1997, at number 64, the Ravens took Jay Graham in the third round, running back out of Tennessee. One pick after at 65, Dexter Coakley, Pro Bowl linebacker from Dallas. And then another pick after that, another Pro Bowler in Rondé Barber, who turned into a really, really good corner for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a long time. Yeah, and, and they didn't really have room for Dexter Coakley on this team at that time. Of course, they had three incredibly good young linebackers, and it would have been interesting if they had had Coakley, you know, in terms of how they would have ended up using him. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's anybody else here that I would have said, because I like the Jeff Mitchell pick, certainly. And I don't think there's anybody else who really fits into the category uh, of of right after in that draft. So I I, I think you got it, and... and uh, you know, sometimes you just got to be happy with who you got to. Yeah, and maybe the Ravens go with a bit more of the best player available strategy if it was a couple of years down the line. But you're, you're right. The, the linebacker group on that team really didn't have a lot of room for another player. But finally, I mean, 1996, this was the draft. The Ravens got Jonathan Ogden at number four. The next pick was Cedric Jones at number five. Then you have Ray Lewis at number 26. John Michaels went so number 27, the Green Bay Packers, the offensive tackle. I mean, there weren't a, a ton. Jermaine Lewis, number Zach 153. Thomas. Zach Thomas was number 154. So, I mean, obviously, Ray Lewis and Zach Thomas, what a, what a duo that would have been. But it kind of goes back to, you know, they had all these great linebackers. So what would that have done? Yeah, that would have been a second Mike. They would have, they would have had to make a trade, obviously. But, but they missed out on a much more valuable player. Uh, after Jermaine Lewis, as good as Jermaine Lewis was, a terrific pick, terrific pick for the Ravens in terms of of getting their special teams unit started and going the right direction. But they had a better option at the very next pick, and so this is a fun show to do, Kevin. I appreciate you coming on and doing this. I, you know, it's a, it's just the kind of thing that we're going to revel in in Ravens history and go through. And you know, I think the format we do it in here is a little bit more fun and fast paced, and I appreciate that. And you you being real prepared and, and going through this. Tell folks where they can find your work. Yeah, absolutely. So I am the host and producer of the Locked on Ravens podcast. We do five days a week talking Ravens football for about 30 to 45 minutes. You can find it anywhere you find your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, also on YouTube. We're now there. We've been doing that for about three weeks now. 
Also, I'm the managing editor at Ravens Wire, so I write about the Ravens seven days a week. Any news, analysis, pieces, opinionated stuff is all over there. And then on Twitter, at ChaosTracker34 is my personal account, and the Locked On Ravens account is at Locked On Ravens. All right. Kevin, thanks so much for coming on. This was a fun one, Ken. I'm, I'm glad we got to do this and kind of go through Ravens history and take a different look at and different perspective at things. Me too. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.